This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Our guest today is Rachel Stewart, an executive at an innovative restoration company in Phoenix. She's also the author of an insightful new book about career success. The full title of her book is Unqualified Success, Bridging the Gap Between Where You Are Now and Where You Want to Be to Achieve Massive Success. Rachel will talk about some of the things that often hold us back from a thriving career, like a fear of not being good enough, or a negative mindset, or finding it much too hard to come to terms with the stumbles we have along the way. And Rachel will give us good tips for methodically addressing these issues, even if secretly you feel like you're not qualified to create the kind of career that you really want. Rachel, welcome to Jazzed About Work. It's really fun to have a chance to talk with you today. I'm so interested in your story and in your new book, Unqualified Success. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm sure you've heard this a lot, but I'm jazzed to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. You have lots of good advice in your book for our listeners. But before we get into that, I would love to um, hear more about your story. The way you described it uh, in the first chapter of the book, you kind of stumbled into a job and you've turned it into something special. Will you tell us a bit about your own career? Sure, uh, I'd be happy to. So um, pretty much where I started in the, in the book was um, I was currently a stay-at-home mom um, had three little children at home, um, pretty young. And so I was busy um, changing diapers and reading bedtime stories and doing that. And um, I I always like to keep busy. And so I had a little bit of a graphic design and book layout company that I kind of just did part-time on the side. And, um, you know, we were just kind of cruising along and living our happy little American dream. And my husband had just started, uh, well, he had an insurance agent, uh, was a part of an insurance agency. And then we got into the middle of 2008, 2008 hit. And oh dear. We just, yeah. We had just bought a house at the peak of the market and my husband was getting going in his career. And overnight we basically lost half the value in our home and my husband was laid off of his job. And so we had this little tiny family to support and obviously there was a lot of anxiety and concern and everything. And so many families can relate to this story because we were not alone. (laughs) It was a Uh, tough time. Yeah. So, you know, when we just started thinking about what we were going to do. So my husband was really passionate about insurance and he's like, um, you know, wanted to start his own agency. So he, you know hung up a shingle and, and there they went a sign on on the door and 
started um, working on his own business or whatever, but we, you know, that was going to take a long time to build. So it was trying to figure out how we were going to survive in the meantime. And so, you know, some of the conversation was like, well, maybe I should go back to work and what will happen to the kids and, you know, all of these. Yeah. Difficult <laughs> conversations. Parents, uh, parents think about. So anyway, um, I, it ended up being one of uh, my husband's friends that reached out to him and, and said, hey, I'm looking for a bookkeeper for my restoration business. Do you know of anyone? And he said, well, for my money, I'd hire my wife. And pretty soon, you know, I was interviewing with their consultant and um, the owner of this company. And I got a job that I was not really qualified to do, but they believed in me because I, I think I had one thing that was probably been the most important thing throughout my entire career which is if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure it out. And, you know, having a little bit of grit and, and being not afraid to try something that you're uncomfortable with um, has really helped me. So we, at, that, at the time, we were just a little small, tiny restoration company. Um, you know, we go in after floods and fires and help people rebuild their lives and their homes during that. But um, anyways, a little small company that was working out of a farmhouse and so, you know, over the years, we just learned and grew and, and I kind of progressed with the company and, you know, eventually took a role as, a, as uh, the operations manager and the general manager and now the executive vice president. Um, and, you know, we've, we uh, are a really successful, you know, company that we built. And so <laughs> when I look back, I think, Wow, that that's that's remarkable. And then one of the things that has come out of that is that then we started a software company because we just realized um, that that contractors really need a different technology solution. And so now I'm a founder of that, and trying to figure out you know the ins and outs of that. So um, basically, I feel like I've been unqualified for every role I've ever held, and I'm totally comfortable saying that, and actually a little bit proud of that. I think uh, being Comfortable with being uncomfortable is something to be proud of. It takes a while to to get to that. And I um, I love the first sentence of your book. I am unqualified to write this book. So you own it now. You you acknowledge that you'll wade into something you haven't done before, and you're not going to um, try to hide it. You're going to figure it out, right? Yeah, and I think what. I think why I'm so comfortable saying that and I've totally owned that is because I've come to learn being around a lot of successful people and a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people who are who are building their life. Like so there are some people who are very complacent with where they are and there's others who are builders and anybody who's a builder is unqualified for the next step, no matter how much success they've had in the past. Whatever they're trying to do that that's going to grow them and stretch them, they're unqualified at that moment. And so, um, I've I've learned that we think that there's maybe something magical out there, and at some point that feeling doesn't exist, and it's really not true unless you're comfortable with where you're at. So and then, yeah. So part of it, qualified. yeah. Part of it is learning to get comfortable or moving past or dealing with fear, right? That, that That's one of the things that uh, you talk about. Fear is what holds a lot of highly qualified people back from trying something new. And you've 
learn to deal with fear? How how did you do it? Did, were you already in that uh, mode before you took this job, and that's why you took it, or have you learned along the way to manage the fear of not being good enough or the fear of the unknown? Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. So I think um, I grew up <laughs> surrounded um, by well. So I come from a big family. And I have six brothers. And oh. So, <laughs> um, I'm like some like I'm after four of them and before one of them. So like I'm just surrounded on all sides by by these brothers growing up. And so I think at some point you had to learn how to just be a little bit uh, tenacious and and have a little grit and like not be afraid of. <laughs> you know, not be timid, I guess, is, is what. So I guess there there was some of that that was kind of ingrained in me. But no matter who you are, that fear is that fear is a universal feeling. Like it doesn't necessarily go away. It's how you learn to deal with it. It's how you learn to control your brain and, and how you manage that. And so in my book, I talk a lot about like the tricks and tips that you can try to do and how you can try to um, like when those fears come, what kind of thought process you can have to deal with that. And also recognizing that that is part of your journey. That's the currency that you're paying to, to reach your dreams. You know, you're going to you're going to go and fear is going to be there. And the, the more you can just be accepted of that, like. They're there, they're all along for the ride, but they do not get to control the destination. You, you know what it reminds me of a, a little bit in my own life is um, for my whole adult life, I've always been um, conscious of weight and I've managed it pretty well, but I've had to learn how to do it. And part of the way I learned how to do it is to not panic when I feel hungry, not think, oh no, I feel hungry, I have to eat, but to say to myself, oh, that's just a little bit of hunger. We know I'm not starving. You just notice that and let it go. And you just kind of realize that if you choose to live with the hunger, pretty soon you forget about it. it, it and I think fear can be the same. Do you think? That is such a powerful analogy and such a powerful like way that we can incorporate that. Absolutely. It will be there and not to panic, right? Like, and usually fear is something we're either thinking of something that happened in the past, like rejection that we face in the past or failure we face in the past, or we are anticipating it in the future. It's rarely like happening in the present, like in the present moment. And so if you can realize like in this present moment, I am perfectly fine and perfectly safe, just like what you were saying is I'm not starving. I'm not in danger of starving. I don't need to panic. Like, and just let's ride this out. We have a goal. We have a process. Like, let's work our plan. One of the fears that a lot of people have, and um, my day job, I'm an executive coach, so I'm able to get inside the heads of some really super qualified, fabulous people. And what strikes me is that at every stage of their careers, many of them still feel like imposters. They feel they still think that maybe someday we'll find out that they're not as good as they're supposed to be for this job. Is this something that um, you see people grappling with? And do you have any suggestions for listeners who might feel like imposters sometimes? 
Yes, I think the biggest thing for me, and I'm so glad that there's more dialogue around this topic, more people are talking about imposter syndrome, more people are talking about that, like, and I think in the past, people just silently lived with that, thinking that they were the only ones that, that felt that way. But what I'm finding is that everybody feels that way. And I don't know what it is about me, but that alone makes me feel comforted, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, I can keep going. I can keep doing this. Like we're not alone. There's nothing special about that person that's different than than me. And um, when we were um, st launching the software, I was running into lots of different problems, and I felt totally unqualified to be able to handle them. I didn't have a technology background. All of this kind of kind of things, and I kept thinking if somebody else was in this CEO role then things would be going better and things would be different. And that may be true, but I went to a conference and there was an entrepreneur, and I, forgive me because I can't even remember what his name was and I would love to give him credit for, for this nugget that he shared, but he was talking about his journey. Like now he's built these these big software companies. He's now a VC and he's always um, investing in new companies. So he's done this over and over and over and over anyway. But he said that there were there were times in his his uh, company where he he thought that the, the building was on fire, that they had near death experiences over and over and over. And he said at least three or four times he thought the company was done. And I like for me, that was just such a huge relief. Like, yeah, you're not okay. alone. Right? Like, this is part of the journey. This is part of the process. And do not panic. Like, we can overcome this. We can fix it. And and now I look back at it, and it, was, it wasn't a near-death moment. It was a hiccup. It was a bump. But I could have just said, I can't do this. I'm not the person to be leading this company. I give up. All of those kind of things. Um, but knowing <laughs> that that's not the answer, that you are surrounded by people that now, if you, now, if I keep in that moment, right, where I keep it's like, I think the, the key is recognizing that you're unqualified, but not staying there. Now, if I stay in a position where I continue to be unqualified for the same problem over and over and over, then I think that that's where you have a big chance of more chance of failure. But so if I say, OK, I, I don't know technology, I'm unqualified to run a technology company. That is true in that moment. If five years from now, I also say I do not know technology and I'm unqualified to run a technology company, then that's a problem. There was obviously some learning that I yes. had to take from here to five years from now. So I am not that same person. I might not, I might be unqualified for the next step in the journey, but I'm, I will have kept up with my learning and my growth to deal with the challenges that I'm facing. And so I guess I really want to be clear about that. It's not staying in this place where you don't know and you're not prepared. It's understanding that right now you don't know and you're unprepared, but I have all of the capacity to learn and to grow and to get to the person I need to be. And then digging in and doing the work to, to do that. We'll be back with Bev 
after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Masters in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. Well, in your book, you talk about how moving forward, kind of grappling with the, the fear and moving forward anyway, one of the tools is uh, your mindset, that you can change your mindset. Do you uh, want to talk a little bit about how, um, how you perceive mindset and maybe even uh, share some suggestions for people who are listening and, and uh, could benefit by having a little mindset shift? For sure. So I'm going to illustrate with a story that I talk about in, in the book. Um, so I have a friend who wanted to be a counselor, right? And she wanted to help families and counsel them in the struggles they're facing in their lives. So she went to school to become a counselor. And when she graduated, then she started to feel like, oh, okay, I still feel unqualified. Maybe I need to go back and get my master's and everything. So like she kept getting certification after certification after certification, thinking that at some point, magic point, she was suddenly going to be qualified to start a practice and start helping people. So that's thinking that the feeling will come after she has a certain number of qualifications that suddenly her feelings are going to change. And then she's going to start to feel qualified. <laughs> but that's not really the case, right? Yeah. So our thoughts can change our feelings. So rather than thinking there's going to be some magic moment, if she goes back to the drawing board and says, now, I'm not talking about the fact that she doesn't need some education. Obviously, she needs a certain baseline of education before she can go and start practicing. But once she gets that, then she has to work on her mindset. She has to work on the thought that I am perfectly qualified to help families. And I will learn what I need to, to do my work in the process of doing that. And if she starts with a different thought, then she creates a different feeling. Suddenly that thought creates a feeling where I feel qualified. I feel confident. I feel like I can go and do this work. And then she has great results. So our minds are so powerful and they create our, like they create our reality. And so if we start thinking, Hey, you know, I can't do this. I'm, I need to wait for this and this and this, then that is true. It, it produces these feelings of unqualification and then she gets in a counseling session and she's not confident and she fumbles around and she, she, she struggles and then she said, see, I wasn't ready for this. Whereas if she starts with the mindset of I'm totally capable and qualified to do this work and I will learn what I need to along the way, she gets into these counseling sessions, she's confident, she shares what she's learned, she, you know, 
helps these families and then she finds success. So my mindset is so such a powerful tool and I think it's the foundation from where we have to start. So we can change our mindsets by using our head. We can use that um, conscious voice in our head to speak to ourselves in a reasonable way, the way we would to a good friend or um, somebody who is an impo- uh, a dear colleague. We talk about the reality that we can figure it out, that there's time, that there are resources. And as we talk to ourselves, we change our mindset to one of fear and and uh, focused on failure to one focused on the positive. Is is that right? Absolutely. And it's it's more than positive thinking. It is being deliberate about the power that your thoughts have. And I think we underestimate the power that our thoughts bring to us. And when we change and are deliberate about the thoughts that we think, and we can change our thoughts, we get to choose whatever thought we want to believe, whatever thought we choose to believe is true. And so we have that power. And a lot of times, like we would never dream of talking to one of our good friends, like you said, our friend or a family member, the way that we talk to ourselves. And yet that's where all the power is, is the way that we talk to ourselves. So yes. if you have a limiting, you know, people talk about limiting beliefs or you have a negative perception of yourself, like, there, there is power in going back and exploring that thought and saying, I get to choose whatever I want to believe. I get to choose my thought and start choosing a different thought. And over time, as you learn how to control your brain, as you can turn, learn how to control your mind, then you have such significant um, results from that. I think another choice that you talk about in the book that I liked a lot is the way you talk about the future. Some people may be in the terrible spot now. Everything's going wrong. And they kind of dream about what they'd like down the road, but dreaming doesn't get you anywhere. But what you talked about in the book is that the, the future is your property and you can leap into the future by acting, by taking some steps. Is that right? For sure. So I am a powerful believer in creating a vision, a written vision of what you want for the future. And I think it needs to be big. Um, and if you start writing it down in a very century rich way um, that like you can feel and you can taste and you can touch and all of these kind of things, then I think what the power is, is that as you read that over, as you continue to to see yourself in in that future role and have a vision for where you're going and what you're doing or whatever, that your brain doesn't like disconnect. And so it doesn't like that feeling of where you are now and where like this different vision and there's a disconnect there and it will go to work subconsciously trying to solve those problems. Like how am I getting from here to here? And so like when you're doing that, then you create, all of these subconscious tools to work in your favor and you'll start seeing yourself being able to solve problems or meet people or do things that put you in the the position of where your vision's taking you. Um, A lot of times it will happen while you're doing um, 
unconscious work, like while you're folding laundry or you're running at the gym or you're um, taking a shower, then all of a sudden you'll have this brilliant idea about how to, how to get yeah. from here to there. And that's your brain going to work, um, trying, trying to get that vision that you've incorporated. Now, I think there's a very big difference between just dreaming, talking about what this dream is and all that kind of stuff, and not putting in the effort, because then that can just be delusion. You're just deluding yourself about that. But when you combine the two, the really dedicated um, and specific work with that vision of where you want to go, I think really powerful things happen. Sometimes uh, it's not so easy. You have the vision, you feel good about it, you get off to a great start, but you bog down, there are stumbles, there are fumbles, and you reach a point where maybe you look around at a friend who just always keeps going, and you think, gosh, I wish I had the perseverance of that person. I, I wish I had her grit. A lot of people quit at that point. They think, you know, I just don't have the grit. And it's a word I noticed you used earlier in our talk, and you use it in the book. And what you say is that grit isn't something that other people have through sheer luck. Grit is something that you can acquire for yourself. Is that right? For sure. So in that scenario, I think there's two things. First, it's like what you just said about yourself. I don't have the grit. Um, so like I do think I am a person that, can develop grit, right? And so it doesn't have to be like a huge leap. You can bridge yourself to the thought that you want to have. So if you're starting from a thought of like, I don't have any grit, and you want to get to, I have lots of grit, maybe the bridge to that is, I don't have a lot of grit, but I am a person who can develop a lot of grit. And developing grit is just like any other attribute or talent or skill it takes practice and it takes doing work, but there are ways that you can work to develop grit. And people aren't just born out of the womb with tons of grit. That's something that like either life has challenged them to create for themselves or they've consciously put themselves in situations where they develop grit. They're like, okay, I'm going to take on a big goal. Um, and a lot of times people develop grit by um, doing physical things that test their body and to show that your your mind controls your body. And that develops a lot of grit. So that when next time you're in a difficult situation with your business or with your family and you're just like, you know what, I'm just ready to give up. This is too tough. That you can say, no, I'm in charge and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to continue to put the work in. Something else that that we can learn to get better at uh, is dealing with failure. We we talked a little bit about getting past a feel of or a fear of failure, but there's also the challenge of moving on when you've actually stumbled, when you've actually failed. One of the things that I've learned for myself is that. I'm much less worried about failure than I was when I was much younger. I've just done it so many times, and it wasn't always easy, but eventually I got up. And so, you know, failure isn't as scary as you go along. Did you have that experience of uh, being 
afraid of failure and then having little stumbles and finding it wasn't the end of the world? Oh, for sure. For sure. So uh, again, I keep talking about my childhood, um, but I think that that's where all of us get like a lot of these ingrained attributes for ourselves happens in childhood. And then we're either like, like drawing from them or having to overcome them. But I grew up in a family of very high achievers and failure was not something that was celebrated at all. Like it was, what can we do to avoid failure at every cost? You try harder, you work harder, whatever, and you avoid uh, failing. Um, It wasn't something that was celebrated. But as I grew up, it was like, I came to realize that failure happens in like, and it is not a defining characteristic about who you are, your character, your worth as a human being, all of those kind of things. And when I was able to separate myself from that and go, all it means is that it didn't work. (laughs) That's okay. Like I'll try something else and that will work. Or it may not, that may fail too. And I can try something else and something else. And so, I mean, you've heard all heard all of the stories about people who tried, you know, 1,000 times, 10,000 times before something actually worked and then it was this massive success. So that had nothing to do with their worth as a human being or their contribution or how worthy they were or anything like that. It just had to do with they hadn't figured it out yet. It's it's human to be uh, fearful of the unknown. I think the ancestors that we might have had who were not fearful were not our ancestors because they were all eaten by lions or something in the ancient days. We the the survivors are the ones who are a little afraid and are cautious, but they have to go forward anyway. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here either. You have to keep moving, and you can move past. Uh, fear. Something else that you talk about that we all have that just seems to be part of being human and it hurts sometimes, and, and that's feeling vulnerable. That sounds like something else uh, people can grapple with. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I think this one is so tricky too, and especially as anybody who's leading an organization or whatever that there, there is a place where you, to be vulnerable and to say, okay, this is where I'm at. And there's also, like, that can easily cross the line to inappropriate sharing or, like, things that may not be appropriate for the context of the situation and, you know, may, may not be in a situation where uh, that – where you're sharing that is is really a safe place and stuff like that. So, but I do think the more authentic, uh, authentic and the more real and candid that you can be in as a leader or in your relationships and, and all of those kind of things and showing that vulnerability that, Hey, I don't know all the answers and I'm not in this position because I know all the answers, but I will tell you that as a team, we can figure it out, you know, that kind of creates this this place where everybody can work from and there's a lot of energy from. Well, that's good advice. And there's a lot of um, other good advice of the book. And I, I said in the introduction, but I want to say again, the full title, because I think it's great. The, the title of your book is Unqualified Success, 
bridging the gap between where you are now and where you want to be to achieve massive success. I think uh, your readers will enjoy it. It's a good read and it's got good advice. But let me ask, since we're just about out of time, if somebody out there is, has listened all the way here to the end of this episode and they're, they're, they're struggling about how they're going to get through today um, and how they're, they're feeling um, unqualified, do you have any final advice for those listeners about um, just where to start? Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of places to start. I don't think that there's, I think just like so many things in life, there's, there's a million ways to, uh, to achieve something. There's a million avenues that you can get there. Um, but I think have first starting with your mindset, exploring where your mind are and where your thoughts are and exploring how maybe you have some that aren't serving you in the way that you, they could be. And I think if you started there and start working on that and learning how to shift your mindset and your belief system um, in yourself and in other people and the world around you, I think that that is the key. Um, there's a lot of exercises. There's exercises at every chapter in my book. And there's also lots of resources online um, that you could go to, to to start practicing. And I would say it takes practice. It takes skill, just like anything else, you know. People uh, don't become, you know, excellent at whatever it is that they're working on becoming. You don't have a gold medalist that just came that way. It took a lot of practice. And so I think that's a good place to do. It's like nothing is fixed and you're not stuck and stagnant. There's always hope. There's always like something different out there for you as long as you're committed to, okay, I can figure it out. I can learn. I can grow. And having that hunger to 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 not be stuck wherever it is that you're stuck. And I, I would also Sorry, I was just going to say, I, I think of that as a growth mindset. As long as you have a growth mindset and you can choose to have a growth mindset, then you can find your way. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, anybody who is hungry to grow, they'll figure out a way to be able to do it. And it doesn't have anything to do with how smart you are or whatever. There's so many people that will say out work, work will out um, and trump sorry, I'll start again. Work will trump talent any day of the week. And I am a firm believer of that. And then maybe that's just me like being kind to myself because I don't think I'm like intrinsically very gifted. I think that I work really hard and um, that mindset can change so much in our life. I totally agree with you. And I'm so grateful for your uh, joining me today. This has been a a uh, uh, great talk, and I, I wish you well uh, on the path as you're um, uh, letting people know about the book. I'm, I'm sure it's going to do well. Thank you for uh, um, joining me here to tell us about it. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm wishing all of your listeners uh, lots of uh, success and happiness in their unqualified journey. Today we've been talking with Rachel Stewart, author of Unqualified Success, about how you can move past fear and self-doubt and set the stage for great success in your career. 
This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's career tip is that getting past fear and self-doubt is sometimes a matter of coming to terms with that negative voice in your head. Remember that whiny internal critic is often wrong and you can fight back. If you've enjoyed our show, please tell your friends. And if you've really enjoyed the show, please think about giving us a five-star rating. And thanks for listening. Thank you.